Hello and welcome to Fertility Talks, the Therapy Fertility Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Van Medin. Today I had the pleasure of sitting down with Richie Sadler, former professional football player, psychotherapist and football pundit. We spoke about his experience of infertility and IVF. In my head and in Fiona's head, we both went, Oh, it's going to work for of us. Of course it's going to work, so it's gonna it doesn't matter. Yeah. We're positive people and yeah, we live yeah, healthy yeah. lives and we really want this to work. Mm. And we got to the day of the result and it was a no. There was some issue appearing in, in with the egg quality. Mm. And so they said, I don't think IVF is for you anymore. I think you may be exploring egg donor. That's a whole other conversation then. Fiona was like, I'm, I'm a day or two late. And so she did a test on a Sunday and it said pregnant. Let's take it back. Mm. Um, maybe if you could introduce yourself and kind of, you know, who you are and, and what you do. Richie Sadler is my name. Um, and I suppose I'll do that thing that most people do. They'll introduce themselves in terms of the jobs that they do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a few different jobs. Um, I work as a football pundit on RTE. So mm-hmm. for the next month, I'll be covering the World Cup for RTE. I run my own psychotherapy practice in Dublin, predominantly working with teenagers. And I... I'm very happily married. I own two lovely dogs, and yeah, we were we we got the lovely news recently that we're pregnant. I don't know if I get into this bit at the start. So we're expecting a baby in all going well at the end of January. So it'll be our first child. Well, congratulations! That is amazing news, and yes, one of the reasons why why you're here to chat. Um, so, when you were growing up, mm. did you always want kids? Yes. Mm. I always assumed that, do you know, I'll, I'll be, be really, really honest. I had this really odd thing. I remember in my mid-teens going, I, I wanted to be a single dad. <laughs> and it's really <laughs> peculiar. Like, and and I, I, for the life of me, I, I couldn't remember. I think, I think it was because my, my parents were, 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 things weren't great. Or, or the, I, I think, I don't know whether I thought I was a bit cynical about relationships and you know what if they break up and if they break up the, the man might have the child so wouldn't it be just better and safer if the child it was just me and the kid yeah and nothing would get between that I yeah think, I think that was the <laughs> in my middle 16 year old head was I don't and know did you why. have a plan to make that happen no no of course the, 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 that idea doesn't really go anywhere sure um but I, I think I would have always done like when whenever I got into um a serious relationship or or kind of well into my 20s or 30s i think like a lot of people i just would assume it, it's in my future it's mm. the next phase um at mm. some point in like when i get to my 40s and 50s my life will be about looking after my child or yeah. taking them to swimming or dancing or ga or school or whatever um so i just assumed it would be there so uh, but i would have always i would have always yeah saw it in my future at some point yeah and do you remember growing up um ever kind of i i know we were all taught how not to get pregnant do you ever remember learning about you know what might happen if potentially there are challenges when you do try to get pregnant god no no so i was in an all boys school in primary school and in secondary school and the only education i think i would have received in this area was like a lot of people just they whatever the biology exam mm. in junior search yeah. um and i don't remember ever ever hearing anything about 
fertility treatment I don't remember hearing anything about or probably even being interested in hearing or knowing about yeah. marriage com- or, 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 or pregnancy complications yeah. or the various different things that uh, can happen along the way it just it's, it's not in my memory at all yeah uh, it wasn't part of my education yeah. at all so you and your wife got married when mm. in the summer of 2019 okay yeah. and at what point had you started how long had you had you been together so we got together towards the end of 2017 yeah and how i ended up kind of learning about fertility treatment was on the back of a conversation i had with fiona probably around easter april or may or mm. something like that in, in in the following year in 2018 and she hadn't been getting periods for probably about a decade wow like okay. so for a long 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 time this just wasn't part of her yeah. monthly experience she just wasn't getting periods and I think any time she'd spoken to GPs about it, it was maybe linked to low BMI or something. But yeah. there was never any, any, any kind of, they didn't delve into it any deeper than that. And then Fiona kind of said, I, I'd like to check in mm. and see what's going on. And so she said, I'll just do some routine fertility tests. And because we're a couple now, they, you know, they're going to ask you for a sample. Sure. So how would you feel about that? I said, yeah, let's go. Like, so. Yeah. So she did the, the tests at her end and I gave a sample and then we had a s- an appointment in, I remember when it was, it was the morning of one of the semi-finals of the 2018 World Cup. Mm. And we went into an, uh, uh, the, the clinic and the lady said in very kind of, she didn't dress it up. Mm. She just kind of said, listen, you don't have periods, you don't ovulate, you're not going to be able to get pregnant naturally. If parenthood is something you want, yeah. You need to do IVF and you need to do it soon mm. because here's the reasons why. Mm. And she turned to me and said, your sperm count is normal. Yeah. So we were kind of left then. So we hadn't had like a lot of couples a long, long, long time of trying to get pregnant and having loads of disappointments and sure. loads of concerns and worries and questions as to what was going on. We just went in to get checked thinking we're soon going to be at the stage, mm. maybe want to be parents, but not quite yet. And then so we left there and we had a holiday booked a few days later. And we kind of went away on holiday and over the course of the holiday, you know, we kind of it, it, it came up in conversation a few times. And we're like, how how do you feel about what was mm. said and how do you feel? And it kind of felt as if we'd have this is maybe too extreme a term to use. But you know, something like a gun to your head going, yeah, it, it, if you don't act now, it's never going to happen. Yeah. And we're like, oh, this feels like the wrong reasons to do it. Mm. So we both were kind of comfortable saying, let's just, let's just wait. And then about two or three months later, at the very same time, I don't know whether she said it to me or I said it to her, but we both came to a conclusion that we're going to regret not doing this. And there's no guarantees, even if we do it, it's going to work. So let's just do it. Um, And so we did. At that point, I knew nothing about what was involved. Like all the the injections or the medication or the I just do nothing. So it was all learning on the job. And and when was this? So this was. So that was the summer of twenty eighteen. Okay. And then so in October twenty eighteen we did our first round. Okay. And I remember the the conversation um with the consultant at the time. And one of the things I remember him saying was, "People don't listen to me when I say this, mm. but I'm going to say this to you anyway." Like the pain of a failed IVF round, is is enormous mm. it's enormous so just mm. please listen to me and, and i don't know it, it was a lovely way he had he, he'd said it in a lovely way and i think it was all designed that just promoting this idea you need to mind yourselves because sure. this could be a rocky road yeah. 
in my head and in Fiona's head, my boat went, no, it's going to work for of us. Of course it's going to work. So it's gonna it doesn't work matter. Yeah. We're positive people and yeah, we yeah, live yeah. healthy lives and we really want this to work mm. and we'll be fine. And then, um, and then we did the, did the, did the round and it was actually kind of fun. So we, we kind of, we filmed like me, I did all the injections and we filmed it because like, oh, we'll, we'll show our child how yeah. they, how they, they, their, their story and, and so we did all this and then we got to the day of the result mm. um, and it was a no. And it honestly, it was like a train drove over the two of us um, because weirdly we were completely unprepared. We didn't mm. even allow ourselves to think that this isn't going to work yeah. because we thought, you know, a positive mind, a positive outcome. So we just we were really happy and positive. Um, <laughs> my immediate reaction was, come on, we get a dog. Honestly, <laughs> because we n- we're in Carrick Mines, it we w- we yeah. were up getting a coffee within an hour, I'd say, of the knowing what the result was, and um, kind of dazed and kind of just, oh God, how do we deal with mm. this? And I was on, I was on, um, I was on my phone on on websites, and I said, "There's a dog in Cavan. If yeah. we go now, we'll get the dog." Yeah. And they were like, "Okay, maybe this is maybe a reaction to the news we've just gotten. Let's hang on." And we said, "Okay, well if, we, if the next one doesn't work, we'll get the dog." So we did another round the following month or two. Um, which brought us up to a week before Christmas mm. um, and that didn't work either so which again we were like oh my god that's mm. that's two strikes now um, and it was the week before Christmas and again we went into this fully expecting success because again we thought if we'd be really positive here um, and positivity really works because it keeps you in a good frame of mind sure. and all that but of course it leaves you unprepared for the day when things yeah. don't go how you want them to because um, we had all planned like we were going to oh we'll be able to tell the family at Christmas and yeah we, we kinda and then you plan for what the due date would be and everything. you know yeah we planned the due date yeah. and then w- there'd be holiday and then so it didn't work um, a week later we got engaged and three days after that, we got a dog. What's the dog called? <laughs> Joey, a little cavapoo. <laughs> um, and Joey was kind of like a like a, a compensatory measure or introduction yeah. into the house. Um, we, we didn't obviously have a little baby and we didn't know at this point, would we ever have a baby? Mm. And this little bundle of joy came in and and he was he was uh, he was amazing mm. um, because then in subsequent failed rounds like like Fiona would be cradling Joey as if it was a child and and he'd be sitting up on her lap and um so he brought a lot to the house but it was just we we were kind of yeah just the pain of it just completely took me by surprise because I did that thing where you you know someone warns you that something might be hurt might hurt and then you think oh well I've been warned Mm. I'm prepared so now that I know this could really hurt I can guard myself protect myself against it that's all garbage and the really difficult thing with the IVF is that people sometimes think that like what you put into it equals the outcome. So yes. if you put all the positivity, all of the effort, all of the work, everything you have into it, that it's going to work. And that's just not the case. Sometimes <laughs> people who are the most negative and, ha- you know, haven't been trying for long and whatever, and it just works first time. And then people who really are like doing it right, it just doesn't work. I know, and, 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 and we did think that initially as well. It was like th- there would be a link between how we live our life and how we think and how we talk mm. about it and how much we support each other mm. and what our attitude would be mm. to the outcome. Yeah. And to a large extent, none of those things are linked at all. 
and and we were in it a, a while and you just kind of realize we're completely powerless to control the outcome all we can do here is just the day-to-day things which are suggested and mm. um, be as sound and as supportive to each other as possible mm. We we both, which was really really good at the start. We 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 had that thing, and maybe a lot of people are in this scenario, don't know how to handle this bit, and we didn't initially. We're like, who do we tell? Um, Fiona, I remember after the first day when we were told IVF is an option and it was being proposed as the thing we needed to do. She said something. I don't know what the phrase was like, but it kind of it was like, I she didn't want people to know about this mm. or she was reluctant to tell or she said some comment like that and and I just at the time figured th- that that wouldn't be the right way for us to go that the, the kind of closing the door and keeping everyone on the outside of this yeah. just wouldn't work it wouldn't certainly wouldn't work for me I couldn't mm. imagine going through something like this with none of my friends knowing and yeah. never saying it to my mates or family so she kind of said it to someone mm. and the friend that she told was great and was able to name one or two others in their immediate circle or children that were in her life who go they're IVF babies or that couple got pregnant with IVF and and the more people she told the more it became normal mm. because so many people in her circle had had either personal experience of it or were related to people who had yeah and um, so it became less a thing that oh my god are we are we the only ones who are going through this to go and or we're one of loads of people who are going through this but it's this funny thing that Lots of people, for lots of reasons, tend not to say it too yeah. widely around yeah. their circle. Yeah. So that's what we did. We, we we made a conscious effort to kind of talk to people and, and normalize it, which was really healthy. And yeah, you found that that helped. It, it really did because like there were times during it all where and she would have been really, really low. Mm. And there was other times where I'd be completely kind of lost or confused or do you know that? thing where you go should do we need to have a conversation mm. here about like do we need to discuss an endpoint? yeah in either in terms of time or money we're going to spend or how much emotional energy have we got left like do we need that and and, yeah. and out of those discussions are like like any scenario you go into and go is this the right thing to be doing should we should we wait or should we hurry up and if i hadn't have told friends if i wasn't in therapy speaking openly to my therapist about it Fiona would be the only person that I'd get to ask those questions yeah, to. Yeah. And she's dealing with it herself. Mm. And of course, like any couple who are in this, you're not necessarily dealing with the same feelings at the same time. I could be in a spell where I'm quite accepting of it yeah. and really enthusiastic or happy to take a break when she could be quite urgent and really keen to get going. So um, having other people in the room, so mm. to speak, was for, for me was like was crucial i i honestly cannot imagine what the last four years would have been like if every night we were doing injections or every day we're doing scans or every time we come up to do it the 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 pregnancy test that nobody knew like did i just hang out with friends and not tell them what's happened this morning or tonight or what's coming up next week um or just acting around my family as if everything's fine as if everything's fine because Mm. i know they would have been asking this so where are you with family and with kids and like like so do you lie like i was no way was i going to put myself in a situation where everyone around me would be lied to for four years so we just became one of those couples that everyone around us knew that this is the route we were going down to try mm. to become parents yeah and I'm, it was great because when it came up to to um 
to doing around um, or coming up to time when there was a test. And of course, all our tests had negative results. So we always had a spell afterwards where we just wanted to close the door. And mm. everyone does it differently. Our reaction was close the door, text family and friends the outcome and ask them not to ring us. Yeah. Because it, it would, so in other words, give us space. Yeah. So because they knew we were able to ask for space, which meant they were able to give us space. So we didn't have to go around pretending that yeah. nothing was going on. And it's so sad to think of the number of people who do pretend because they feel like they have to. Um, and it sounds like your experience over the last couple of years has been more positive, even though there were so many awful, difficult times of all these negative cycles. But it sounds like just having that support made it somewhat easier. Um, and so many people just don't have that. Yeah, like I've had loads. I posted about our stuff in the last couple of months yeah. on Instagram and the amount of messages I got from people who were either about to embark on treatment or had been in it or were feeling a little bit lost mm. or maybe grappling with the idea that maybe it's now in their past. And lots of them, I, I would have some kind of exchange with mm. them. And lots of them, like so many of them, said that they didn't tell, lads in particular. Mm. I would say, it's a matter of interest, like did, you, did your mates know? How, I hope you got support from your mates. And the most common answer would be things like, well, uh, listen, I... I I told one or two, but yeah. nothing. And I, I told one in the family, but not the whole family. And and that's really understandable reasons. Like, God, I'd never be sitting here telling people how they should act. Um, I'd imagine it's a very lonely road. Mm. It's a really difficult road, I know that. But to be travelling it alone, where no one else knows what you're doing, so you have to pretend. You not only hide that fact that you're doing it, but you have to pretend you're unimpacted by it. Yeah. Like, what an additional strain. And I think it's really hard because if you're going through this as a couple, you're obviously going to be each other's supports. Yeah. And as you said, at different times, one of you might be a bit, you know, in a better place with it. And some of one of you might be in a worse place. So you support each other, but you also need individual support. Like if you don't have that individual support, you know, I've seen people like IVF can kind of make or break you, I think, as a couple you know it can bring bring you much closer together you know getting through something as difficult as IVF but it can also br absolutely break you um and I think especially when you don't have that outside support is when that can happen because all you have is the other person and no one else knows what's going mm -hmm. on you know and how can you support each other if you don't also have support you know I remember speaking to one a friend of mine I didn't actually know him that well but a fellow I used to go to the same gym um, as, and he said that his five-year-old son was the result of treatment but they had a really difficult road to get mm. to the point of, of having the son and he, said in r and he said it in really stark terms he said your relationship needs to be rock solid in order to get through this and he kept and I was wondering and he kept stressing it he said this is going to pull you in so many different directions and put a real strain on you if it's not solid mm -hmm. you've no chance yeah and i remember thinking <laughs> i hope he's i hope this is really exaggerating this and i hope it's not as dramatic as he's making out my god i can see what he meant mm. um because like it, uh, uh, just to move our story on like our, our initially um the clinic said that it was because of what was going on with Fiona that we mm. needed treatment. W within four months, 
um, shortly after the wedding, um, and we did another round just before a month before the wedding. Uh, Fiona started to get periods, mm. and then within a few months she was getting periods and ovulating on a monthly basis. And then I, I think it was the the round before the wedding. The sample I gave on the morning of the, um, the morning I took my sample, they came back and said, "Oh, it's it's below, mm. and and we need to do ICSI." So then we were in a scenario for the next few rounds where both of us needed kind of support. So w- we weren't in a scenario where where one of us could, in a really insensitive. Mm. crude like thoughtless way kind of point the finger at the other one this is your fault this is your and any of that stuff like so so we that was our experience as well and and i remember we i remember having a conversation one day and saying to you like there's a real danger here that we'll end up focusing on this to the cost of all the other really good stuff we have in our life because we we wanted this obviously so much and it puts like such an all-consuming mm-hmm. for Fiona, particularly in in when it's during treatment. And I kept, and we and we would consciously do it. Do you know, just constantly try out the things we have mm. or the things we were grateful for. And um, because I spent all my twenties, kind of a lot of my twenties, mid twenties onwards, m- like focusing on the loss of my football career. Mm. And in my early thirties, when I got into recovery, I was like, focusing on the loss of my drinking life and the friends mm. and the s- social life that came with that. It's like I'm not spending my forties focusing in on something that I don't have, because um, we've loads of things going on in our life which are really, really mm. good, and we consciously kept reminding ourselves of that, um, and then just allowing ourselves to just completely break down and feel yeah. totally overwhelmed with, with with just loss and heartache when it doesn't work, yeah. um, because that's needed too. You can't ju- you can't just fake your way through it and go, yeah, but look what we do have. Like there's there's <laughs> there's a mourning period after for us anyway, after yeah. every failed round because like you just I we just became invested. You know the little dots you see in the screen, like there's a follicle and that might be an egg yeah. and that might be an embryo and, and then how many embryos have you got and will they last the five days mm-hmm. and I just became really invested in these little dots. What could be? What could be the potential yeah. of these dots and they weren't just dots, they were like, Wow, that's our kid. And then we we kind of weirdly landed on a girl's name early mm. on, so every conversation we've had in the last four years, or every little dot I've You'd seen, be calling that I'd use the name of the girl. Yeah. So it's like, it, it it's weird, and it, it it was just like she, and this is maybe sounds like dramatic, but this is how it felt. It was like she died every time, mm. because excuse me. So. Then you're kind of mourning that, but then in this really, you know, the reality of it going, well, she may be the result of the next round. Mm. So we go again. And then, so you just go again, and then you you dust yourself off, you heal, you stop crying, you you lift up, and you get positive, and you go, right. And when you're the, being obviously the, the, the man here, like, no one was injecting me. I, I wasn't going to be, like, turned upside down by the, all the, 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 the hormonal kind of imbalances and, and unsettling stuff that goes on through a treatment. So it was always, I always knew kind of you're, you're kind of, to some degree, you're a passenger. Mm. Um, it's going to be driven by how Fiona feels, n- not just mentally, but physically, how her body's going to be. Um, and, and is she ready for it or is she up for it or how does she feel about it? Um like often we would have had t- conversations where we'd sit down and we'd make a decision and the decision might be let's just park things for a few months 
and then sometime in the next few weeks I get a text from Fiona she goes uh, I uh, e- emailed the clinic there today and um, and I go oh, did you yeah go on how'd you get on and and it would be on the back of maybe seeing a pregnancy post on Instagram mm. or hearing from a friend that they're pregnant or listening to a podcast where something just triggered something in her head and she she kicked back into urgency mm. going no we need to act now mm. so I kind of just realised don't try and interrupt that process or even try and understand it. Um, it was going to be led by when and how, when she was ready. Um, and, and I just kind of went with that. Yeah. And it's hard because, you know, as you say, if you're a man and a woman going through this, like the majority of this is taking place in the woman's body mm. and it's, it's happening to her body. But it's happening to you as a couple, so it's a, it's a, I'm sure a very difficult balancing act of trying to manage your own feelings and grief and hope and and what you want from the cycles, but actually, you know, it it's it's her body at the end of the day. So how did you manage that? Like I know you said, you know, at points it was all consuming for her. Like how how did you manage that? Did you feel like you kind of had to? Um, censor yourself sometimes in in how you were doing well I, I remember and like anyone who's, who's gone through treatment knows this you'll hear more often than anything else people just tell you just relax <laughs> right those two words <laughs> yeah. awful they're we need to get t-shirts yeah just relax yeah they're really well-meaning but yeah. like they just yeah sometimes after a while they can sound quite jarring um but it get, did kind of know like that generally speaking the more relaxed we both are it's 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 more favorable to do it that way so whenever fiona be worked up or high or low or whatever which was the inevitable result of the treatment i just try to stay as neutral and as calm as possible so and 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 like there was i didn't realize it at the start just how much of an impact it would make on her Mm. like her her mood and her just everything um so kind of after a while, you just realise just be be kind of clued in and, and and sensitive to all that. But I so I got to therapy every week. Mm. So I I have this space of fifty minutes every week. So no matter, th- there's no filter there. I can say what I want. I can rant away. I can grapple with all the questions that I don't have answers to. The, the Fiona doesn't necessarily need to hear me say mm-hmm. when she's particularly yep. lost and confused herself. So that that's that was a big thing. Just me having other outlets. Um, but there is like th- there's some days it just feels like y- you're a little bit invisible in the process uh, like numerous times again this is all really well meaning stuff but I'd say to someone they'd say how did it, how did it go I says no it, it, it didn't work and their next two words are how's Fiona yeah. and it's like they've just seen yeah. through you it's like it's not even how are you how are you getting on how did you feel it's just like immediately the concern for the woman which is totally understandable see that that's the that's just how it is like it's right that the person getting the treatment should be getting all the, the support and the focus uh, and the partner has a very very different role um but from my own experience it's 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 so important that the partner gets support because yes you're not getting the the physically mm. invasive stuff to deal with or your hormones aren't assaulted in all sorts of different ways but um by God, it's hard. Like it really is hard because we we we'd be grappling with. Not only is the next one going to work, 
or well, why did the last one not work? But then the bigger question of will this ever work? Yeah. And if the answer to that is no, how do we feel about mm-hmm. that? Um. Uh, and if it's if do do so do we need to start now accepting that that's a possibility? Is is that the kind kind of right thing to do, or is that negative and defeatist? And do we need to shut down that conversation? So, um, did you ever get to that point? Did you ever get to the point of saying, "Is this actually ever going to work?" And maybe we need to. No, because my. And any time I'd start thinking like that, and this would often be in therapy, like the big picture questions are the existential ones. Like, what you know, what's what do we like to live a whole life and go without ever like being a parent? I always kind of came back. The approach that worked for me was just to, just to focus on what's in front of us today, mm. and just to say, well, what's the next right thing to do? For, forget like what should be the decision in eight steps time depending on how the next seven things go yep. so that kind of helped to focus me so it was always just will we go again yep if so when yeah and, and and what do we need to do to get to the point where we're ready to go again yeah and then just accept that no matter what plan we put in place some external force will come in and completely change Fiona's <laughs> mind and we'll have to rewrite the plan again based on a whole new set of um, feelings and, 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 and instincts on her end. So it gets tricky. It's a tricky road. How many cycles did you do in total? So overall, we did four cycles, which overall transferred eight embryos. Um, so four singles and two doubles. Mm. Um, and I remember the time then, because w- we were two or three cycles in and and they said, like, if there's more than one embryo here now, we're, we, we would be suggesting a, a, a double transfer. Um, so how would you feel about multiple births? Mm. And it's this weird thing where on like the Monday or Tuesday, they tell you that. And then the, so the transfer is going to be on the Friday. So you spend the two or three days going, do we want twins or not? As if simply saying yes will bring about twins. Mm. So <laughs> you really get into it, like, going, OK, with the pros and cons and. And then you start imagining yourself you start and then you start picturing it and then exactly. you're convinced that you're going to have twins. Exactly. Well, of course it is there because treatment works and it's and actually weirdly, the more failures there were, you, you could either spin that as well. Is this never going to work or are you going to go? Well, we're getting closer to the cards dropping. Our yeah, because it's it's the, the law, law of averages. averages yeah. yeah. So you're like, OK, right. OK, buckle up here. We're having twins. <laughs> So <laughs> you go in and do the transfer and they say, how do you feel about the double? Yeah, we're all on. In we go. And go, OK, right. So you do the maths. OK, well, the t- test is this day. The due date is going to be around then. And it's twins. You look around the house going, what changes do we need to make? Yeah. And blah, blah, blah. Um, com- and really weirdly, completely unaware of the fact that this might not work again. Because yeah. we just completely are consumed by the probability that it'll work. Um, because we tell us it's kind of there's no point in doing it if you don't think it'll work so we think it's work so it's going to work um, and no matter how many times like you'd sprint up against the wall and hit your head against the wall you, you think you'd learn you think the next time you're a bit more braced for, for not working um, but we weren't we went into everyone going this is going to work um, so then we got to a point where last summer so the summer of 21 mm-hmm we kind of did what turned out to be our, our last round and, and we got two embryos and um, maybe three we did a double transfer and then the consultant said 
the, 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 there were some issue appearing in, in with the egg quality mm. of, that we were using. So they said, I don't think IVF is for you anymore. Okay. Um, I think you may be exploring egg donor mm. treatment, which that's a whole other conversation then. So then we started to have those discussions and like again Fiona was kind of grappling with that mm. like how do we feel about like someone else being part of the process and what would that even entail so we, we kind of gave ourselves plenty of time while also knowing we don't have forever here and Fiona was like no I, I'm I'm up for this um, and I had load of questions around that as well and again but I had my therapist to go to sure. to ask the yeah. questions that might not be appropriate to ask of Fiona because she mightn't have the answers or be able to help me come up with my answers and we we were due to go to Spain last September. We did all the admin, sent the photos and the records and all of that. And I remember on a Friday, we completed the admin. I said, grand. Um, that was a Friday. And then two days later, Fiona was like, I'm, I'm a day or two late. And so she did a test on a Sunday. And it said pregnant. And like we were, like we were gobsmacked. And actually, the 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 line, we have this kind of little route because we've done it so many times. She'd go to the toilet, do the test, come back without looking at it, and then at some point hand it to me. We'd kind of hug, and I'd look at the test over her shoulder where she couldn't see. Mm. And obviously, at this point, every test has been negative, so I'd get a moment where I'd see it. And I'd always wait a few seconds just to kind of go, okay, sh like it's it's a negative. And then I'd wait, and then I'd whatever say whatever. Um, but in this case, I looked at it, and it was this kind of like crappy little, really <laughs> unconvincing line, <laughs> like not like no strength, nothing impressive, not wasn't right, but it, it was there. Yeah. And I just went to her, no, I'm sorry, it's not. <laughs> but then she looked at it and she goes, "There's a line there." And in my head, I was like, oh, oh God, love her. Look at her. Yeah, she's yeah, she's yeah, seen yeah, something yeah, that's yeah, clearly yeah, yeah. not there. Um, but she was telling me, she said, yeah. no, any kind of line is a line. And okay, well, what? And so she did a test again quite shortly, and it was a booming strong line. Like, oh, Christ. Um, and then we were like, oh, do we tell people? Do we not? And we kind of went, you know what? We've only had bad news to share to our family. Wouldn't it be lovely to share this good news with them? So we told them. And then we went in to have our scan at the seven week point and there was no heartbeat. So um, whatever about the disappointments that we would have felt with each failed round um, or getting invested in the little dots and th this was a whole other level. I remember we went in and it was a Tuesday and I was due to be on RT that night. Liverpool were playing in the Champions League. And I remember ringing the producer saying, I'm just going to flag it with you. Like, Fiona's pregnant. It's an early scan. If this doesn't go well, um, she might need a, need a bit of... Uh, but I, I framed it all in terms of she might need support, mm. so I might need to stay with her, so I might not be in. I was completely wrong. I was the one who was completely incapable of being going on telly that night. Um so we kind of we, we, we kind of then had to deal with like so, so what do we do now like who do we tell how do we tell them when do we tell them all that kind of stuff um and that actually that was that was seen by the clinic at the time as that kind of reinforced what we said about the issue with fiona's eggs mm. which kind of strengthens our belief that 
maybe Agdona would be the route to go. Yeah. Um, but we had one more embryo left. Um, and I had spinal fusion surgery this time last year in November. Um, and I can remember we were thinking she may as well do that. It's it's there anyway. We've done all the hard work to do it. So, um, like I'd obviously been used to. I was going to all the scans and all the appointments at the start and then when COVID hit I'd just stay outside I'd kind of just do laps of a field nearby um, but for this one I was I was bedridden mm. for the early stage of my recovery so Fiona went in and came out and even when she got the results we did the usual thing she'd hand me the test like I was so on heavy meds to for back pain like I was really numb I, I could I, there was no it was really weird and I felt really guilty mm. and really bad and I felt even more useless and like that I was kind of abandoning her and leaving her go through this all alone because there was yeah. no support whatsoever at the time I was the one needed support because yeah. I couldn't really walk and um, so that didn't we, weirdly that didn't hurt as much because I was on so much pain meds and, and then we said okay we're back in the world of going to egg yep. donor um, and we were in April or May in London this year and had a conversation where we said okay we're, we're ready for it let's go to Spain and we were due to go to Spain this September um, and then the following month pregnancy test and she was pregnant um, and we got that test it was the morning of our third wedding anniversary mm. and we were like oh, okay it w- w- weirdly it was like on the one hand this is amazing but on the other hand going there was a big part of me anyway was bracing myself for an almighty mm. collapse again. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of had the brakes on a little bit going, don't really allow yourself to get excited because wait till the first scan, wait yeah. till you know there's a heartbeat. And so we didn't say it to anyone. Um, said it to a couple of people actually, but not the families and stuff. And then with each scan, we did an eight week one heartbeat, normal weight or normal size, yeah. 10 weeks, 12 weeks. Um, and now we're up to 30 weeks um, it's been the smoothest pregnancy of all <laughs> Fiona's been been really and I always feel wary of saying this because like it's, it's not comfortable pregnancy I isn't comfortable but relatively speaking she described it as a really comfortable pregnancy mm. we've, we've got friends who are in this situation and um, and those women are, are, are dealing with loads of issues so um, now we're at the part where we're going like this does look like it's going to happen <laughs> in 10 weeks all going well to be a healthy little baby but we're bouncing into our lives but um, yeah this was a scenario where at one point we thought it w- couldn't happen mm. and then it just evolved from Fiona not having periods to having periods then my spur count being low to but it was manageably low yeah. and concerningly low and then we got to a point where they were just describing it as it's unexplained infertility which did nothing for me. I was like, surely you can give us a reason. That's the w- that yes. that's the thing that people find hardest is the unexplained. Because at least if you have an explanation for something, you I, f- I feel like it's easier to deal with it. Because you know, okay, well, it's because this. But when it's just like, well, we don't have an answer for you. It's like, yeah, so are we doing the right things? Are we, should we even yeah. be here? Do mm. you, like, y- y- and I it, this isn't in, like, you know, in my time in it, like you couldn't realise this isn't an area where you get absolutes mm. or there's no absolute link between kind of what you put into it and what you get out of it. Or, and and, and, s- and, and it, the more people we would, would tell about, talk to about this, um, they would mention Rosanna. 
Rosanna yeah. Davison. Yeah. And she became like the example of never give up. Yeah. And people would kind of go, well, you know how, you know, Rosanna, did you see Rosanna in the late later? Have you read her book? Like, that was a miracle, which in the one hand was helpful, but also I was kind of going, oh God, are we in the scenario where we literally were hoping for a miracle? Like mm. that's a, that sounds like a bit of a grim place. Um, but then it did happen. It did, it, it happened. Actu and actually I was going to talk about this I'll tell you when, like living with Lucy mm. con contacted yep. us at one point and said, would you just do the show? And um, it, it, it worked out. It didn't. They went with other sporty people and that's a uh, show. So I didn't get on it. But we were I, I remember going, I think I'm going to talk to Lucy in front of the camera about this because there was part of me wanted to talk about this deliberately before I had a baby in my hand mm. or we had a happy ending because lots of people who talk about this and it, it's great they talk about it but there's a happy After ending attached yeah. which I remember thinking that doesn't do a lot for the people who are still in it and I and I just thought it'd be it'd be great if there were more voices voices mm. like that in the conversation we go we're in it it's hard we don't know where it's gonna go we don't know the outcome and we don't have the answers and we yeah. know no one has the answers but like this is hard Um. anyway we didn't do the show we didn't talk about it Um. So we are now just one of those people who are talking about it with, we're almost like with our happy ending. But it's not an area that any of my friends would have talked about before now. I was in no conversation with any other men mm. at any point in my life where they discussed this topic. Mm. But when I started to tell my friends, then they would start to tell yeah. me about miscarriages that their partners had had, treatments that their partners had had for years. And so many of them would follow it up with, do you mind keeping that to yourself though? Yeah. It's just this thing. Yeah. I think it, like, it de like as, as you know, once you start talking about it, it kind of opens the floodgates. Like I remember when we went through IVF first and people I'd known for years and thought I was really, really close with started telling me all sorts of things um, about treatments and losses and trying and wishing and hoping and people who I thought maybe didn't want kids and I'd never asked them because you know I'd, I wouldn't ask someone that but you know it's only when you start opening up about yourself that other people feel that they can um so I just I think it's great and yeah as you said like to to do it when you're going through the process because it's all well and good to see someone at the end with this happy outcome of course they want to talk about it because they have this ha happy mm. outcome. But what about the people who are still going through it? And for the people who it might never happen, you know, that, that could have been you. It, mm. it, you might not have had this miracle. Mm. Um, and we need to talk about those people too. Yeah, there, there's, there's, I suppose, lots of reasons. And w w one of the things that I kept coming back to as well, even when I was the thinking about and talking to Fiona so sh are you okay with me talking about mm. it I was very aware that the reactions would be very different mm. she'd be flooded with messages and she would now be in a world where people who even weren't just her friends or her colleagues or her family members lots of people would know and uh, she would need to be ready for that because mm. um, I'm kind of comfortable at this stage talking about anything really publicly or otherwise Um but that doesn't mean that it's right that I put Fiona in a scenario of where course. she's put in that situation. So I think it's got to be right for everyone involved. 
um, and, and you can't just do it to prioritize the, the needs of the audience or no. who needs to hear this. Mm. Like, because like you, you said, it's, 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 it's private mm. um, and everyone kind of grapples with it in their own way and everyone has their own level of comfort in terms of talking about it to others or people they don't know knowing. Yeah. So there isn't a kind of one size fits all. No, absolutely not. There, and like it's no, and it's definitely not right for everyone not at all, to do yeah. something like this. But for the people who can, it helps everyone else. Because I know anyone going through treatment just oh, clings on to any sort of you know podcasts or or videos or interviews or or people who are in the public eye who come out and talk about it. Like that is such hope and. Um, just gives yeah. gives you something to kind of keep going and to to relate to and just not feel so alone because when you're not sharing it with your friends and family you can just feel so isolated and like you're the only person in the world who's ever gone through this fiona used to do that would there isn't a podcast recorded anywhere that she hasn't heard <laughs> at this stage <laughs> if anyone who's ever discussed their own journey or their yeah. experiences of fertility or she, she listened and i i would often ask her said because a lot of the stories are like heart wrenching, mm. and and there's an an upsetting element to a lot of the stories when people start talking about them, and I'd be saying, to her, would you not, would you not listen to a happier part? Is, is is that really helpful? And she'd go, absolutely. The more stories I mm. hear, I find it like it's just helpful, mm. and I think it's exactly like the point you just made. That it just reinforced the idea. Actually, this is a space that's really crowded. Mm. It's really populated by lots of people. It's just a lots of people who are in it tend not to talk openly about it. Um, I didn't have that approach at all. It, it kind of didn't really help me at all listening to how other people got on. I was just concerned with, well, how are we going to get on? Mm. So, like, everyone's different. Absolutely. Um, is is there anything in particular, like now, I, I'm sure since you started talking about it yourself, um, kind of publicly like on your Instagram and the pregnancy announcement and you've had people contacting you are people like looking to you for advice or just saying like what helped you get through it and keep going and like what what do you what do you say to people yeah lo loads of the messages are kind of around like what, do you mind me asking what did you do mm. or or uh, as if there was this one thing mm. that made all the difference mm. and and we were we were like Fiona more so than me would be like that as well. She listened to podcasts, to read articles, and look for the one thing. And so she go, okay, I need to take this supplement, or avoid this food type, or take more of this food, or change your lifestyle, or do something. Um, and maybe there's no link whatsoever. It's just it's just what people talk about. So I'd always really veer away from giving advice to anyone because people's situation are way more complex than they'll ever be able to describe in a brief Instagram message. So I'd always just kind of say like. Are you accessing support? Are you allowing yourself to 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 lean on the people around you? Mm. Because if you don't allow yourself that, y you've just you've just increased the difficulty level of your journey like considerably. Um, so I think that's that's the one thing I think I'm most grateful for in all the stuff we've gone through that we didn't we didn't go into it with an expectation or, or didn't burden ourselves with the responsibility of having to just manage it mm. alone mm. or as a as a couple um because i don't think we would have like like i just don't i just can't imagine having gone through it without telling anyone um but as well like the, i suppose i i'm i'm at the position here as of being a partner of someone who's done it mm. so i i don't have the direct experience of doing it but um I wouldn't minimize at all the role that a partner can have in this as well because um 
like you mentioned earlier about the the impact they can have in relationships i think we're one of the ones that i know it's, it's really driven a wedge between people but like w- and it's really hard to explain this but with each with each round and we're uh, and they were all unsuccessful rounds we just kind of get closer and it, it kind of because it was like this th- it just it's this additional connection going okay no one but this person next to me knows how this feels mm. and is going through this with me and and they're being really sound and supportive <laughs> as well as being heartbroken and you try to be sound and supportive as well as you being heartbroken and it just it, it just it, it just became more manageable because of how we were with one yeah. another um but we d- we didn't have m- like we didn't have major lifestyle changes we, we we like she wasn't on me saying you need to why are you still doing it? and it yeah, was nothing yeah. I, so there was no grounds for friction or finger pointing or not that we'd ever do that anyway but um yeah it it it, it kind of it, it seemed to kind of deepen things between us with each round um but I'm kind of glad we've temp- maybe for good but temporarily stepped out of it at the moment because it's not it's not a world I would have wanted to have been in for that much longer mm-hmm. but I'd say we would have stayed in it because the the outcome that we were aiming for like was 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 everything yeah so hopefully now like I even say it I I, I don't use language like we're, we're definitely or we're there or we've har- had our happy ending like we're almost there and that's really hard, I think. And that that is someone who has had any unsuccessful fertility treatment or any loss. You lose that optimism and that naivety of it's all going to just be okay. Mm. There is that reservation of, well, until I actually have my baby in my arms. Yes, every every step is a step, but it's until you actually have your baby. And even then, you have to mind them for the rest of your life <laughs> that's a whole other thing but yeah until you actually have your baby you kind of are holding your breath a bit yeah i'm very excited for you two well you four with the dogs two dogs five will you be five yeah <laughs> family of five so with a little cavapoo <laughs> and a really big slobbery saint bernard when did you get the saint bernard she's six and a half okay so um it'll be interesting to see how <laughs> hygiene wise <laughs> a newborn baby and a slobbery St. Bernard can co- coexist in the one house what are you most excited for in terms of being a dad the moment that you get handed the child the first time um, and I don't know what they're not going to be much bigger than my two hands and I think just in that moment I go okay right, I, I've, I can provide everything this child needs they just need mm. to be held and things will get unbelievably trickier after that <laughs> <laughs> and my role will be way more complicated the child will need way more from me than simply holding out my hands but i think it's that moment that we don't know if it's going to be a boy or a girl are you so going to wait to find we're out we're going to wait yeah. so i think that moment where hopefully the delivery will okay there'll be a healthy baby at the end of it we're going to find out if it's a boy or a girl um I don't think of any concept of what that moment will be like, mm. but I just imagine it will be indescribably amazing. It will be. It will be. Um, well, congratulations again. Thank you so much for, for sharing your story. I have no doubt it will absolutely help people um, who, who may be in a similar situation than, than what you've, you and your wife have been in for the last couple of years. So thank you. It would be nice if it did. Thanks a million for the chat. Yeah. <laughs>